0: The Dead Pair Podcast is brought to you by the Elite Experience, Elite Shotguns, and is fueled by Fiocchi.
1: Pull. Welcome to the Dead Pair Podcast, coming in hot with everything you want to hear about sporting clays. Guy Fieri. How
0: are you, gentlemen? Thanks for having me. Anthony Batteries, Jr. How you doing tonight? I'm um, doing pretty well. So.
2: Welcome back, David Redulver. That's a net positive. Question, <laughs> Brad Kidd. Corey Cruz. Thank you for joining us. Today. Now I feel awkward. With your host... Jason Rambo. Red Bull for you. And Sean Alley. Woo! Yeah! <laughs>
1: Christmas. Oh, do
2: it! Often imitated, but never duplicated. It's the Dead Pair Podcast. Dead Pair. And now, it's showtime. What's up, Large and In Charge?
0: Well, buddy, I wish I could say I was out uh, working the gun, but the weather has not been very nice here. I'm sure uh, hopefully you're getting in a lot of time down there where it's a little bit nicer. Is it cold there, Sean? Uh, it was four degrees this morning, so yes, it was.
2: Okay. I miss you, but I don't miss where you're at, buddy. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know. Go ahead and
0: rub some more salt in the wound. We mm, like it.
2: No, 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 it's all right. I'll so, be
0: down there in a couple of weeks, so don't worry. I'll uh, be able to hopefully thin the old northern Ohio blood out down there for a little bit. And uh, Yeah,
2: there you go. We we definitely have a different opinion of salt life, don't we? So yours is on the, on yours the, is on the road. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Hey, hey, listen. You said you'd be down here soon for the Florida Swing, and that reminds me, uh, we are running out of time, people, for the golf cart. Um, if you have not bought your ticket, I mean, it's twenty dollars for a chance at a full custom golf cart uh, donated to us by and just an absolutely awesome listener and, and his wife, Brett. Thank you again, very, very much. Um, if you guys want to get in on this, uh, tickets are twenty bucks a piece, or what is it, Sean? Six for a hundred, I think it is. Yep,
0: I believe so. And and you can go online and buy those at deadpair.givesmart.com. And of course, we'll be pulling the winning uh ticket from the uh, at the Vero Beach Caribbean Cup, and the cart will be there so everybody can see it.
2: Yep, absolutely. That'll be Saturday night at the dinner. So um if you can't join us, it uh, doesn't matter. You can, you know, you don't have to be present to win. Um, but get in on this. I'm telling you, uh, guy's got a heck of a cart he's donated. It's things absolutely beautiful. So, Yep, yeah,
0: and, and all the proceeds go to a great cause. The kids and clays, uh, Ronald McDonald house, uh, a, a charity that we support
2: highly. Absolutely. Speaking of which the week of, I think it's January the 15th, Sean, that Thursday, uh, that we would normally, uh, launch an episode. We will not have a show that week. That's so right everyone this is your chance if you're behind an episode or two to go back and listen to a couple of or maybe just pick your favorite and go back and listen and and uh hey it's winter time if you're if you're up north and you're not going down to any of the florida swing maybe go back and listen to that episode with wendell and uh what you need to do to get ready for the upcoming season Right. And another reminder also, our coaches and
0: clubs page should be active by the time you guys are hearing this. um, And uh, any coaches or clubs that are interested in getting listed with us, uh, just reach out. You can get on our website. So you can visit us at www.thedeadpair.com click on the link for either uh, find a coach or find a club. There will be uh, all the information there on how to place an order. If you are a coach or a club and you want to be listed on our website, I think it will be a great help since we reach so many people to you guys. Uh, And hopefully that'll make it a little bit of an easy button for new shooters to find uh, the clubs and coaches that they are looking for.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It'll take time for it to build, but uh, when it does, hopefully that's a good easy button for everybody. Absolutely. So, um, Sean, we're, uh, we're talking to anthony matters tonight and one of the things we're going to talk about is joe Caney, and you know it kind of brings up something i was thinking about earlier it's like you don't have to be a world champion you don't have to be a national champion to be you know highly remembered in this sport or or to even be a legend or or maybe a good ambassador to this sport you know um you and I, Sean. Let's let's face it. Let's admit it. We're never going to be national champions or anything like that. But no, sir. <laughs> you know we are. We've always strived to be good ambassadors to the sport we love. And Joe Canney was that person. And you know somebody that knows him very very well is Anthony Matteris. We're going to get him on here in a minute. We're going to talk about that, and then afterwards we are going to talk to Anthony about the upcoming World Sporting Championship being held at M M&M. and M. Do a little preview on that, what you can expect if you'd like to attend, uh, what he's changed, what he's gotten done uh, around m M&M and to, to prepare for this. And then if you are planning to attend, uh, maybe get all the details that you need for travel over there.
0: Right. And I know you're going to be able to go to that, Jason. I will not. Uh, so I'm a little bit jealous on that end, but uh, hopefully it should be a good time, especially as being a world event.
2: Yeah, I, I just looked at registration. He's over 1,700 people right now. So it's definitely... Definitely going to be big, and we're going to ask him, too, if there's any spots left if somebody wants to attend. So Yeah, wow. Um, but hey, listen, let's get Ant on the phone and uh, see what that man has to say. The Dead Pair. All right, on the phone with us, a man that really needs no introduction, Mr. Anthony Madderis. How are you, sir?
1: Doing well. Thanks for having me.
2: Anthony, it's been a while since we talked. How's life been treating
1: you? Uh, oh, it's good. Uh, just busy. Been a uh, good winter, got a uh, lot of stuff going on, getting ready for the world championship here next year and doing lessons just about every day and done a little bit of uh, hunting and uh, all good. Dealing with my my wife's, uh, my mother-in-law, my wife's mom had a little bit of health issues that we've been navigating, but uh, all, all on the uh, coming around and looking favorable, so can't complain.
2: Well, congratulations on the birth of your son, by the way. That's awesome. I'm sure you're pretty excited about that.
1: Yep. Absolutely.
2: Thank you. Well, Hey, listen, Ant, um, unfortunately, uh, the, the truth of life is that we're all going to go someday and the passing of Joe Caney was not easy for a lot of people, but, um, you know, Joe was somebody I met one time to shoot, but I didn't get a chance to know him and I know you knew him well. So, Aunt, let's start with, if you don't mind, can you, can you tell us where and, and how and when you first met Joe?
1: Um, I, I would have shot a uh, FITAS selection shoot, I believe, at his place probably when I was 13 or 14 years old. And, uh, you know, I assume that I met him then, if not before then. And then um, Joe was, you know, we didn't have a uh, team manager, so to speak, or anything like that, that where the NSCA helped facilitate uh, travel to overseas, et cetera. Uh, for for the world championships, world sporting championship, and world test championship, and Joe was kind of the guy that was already going and doing those things and traveling traveling throughout the world to big Fitas matches and and the sporting matches, and uh, he was basically the team manager just because he more or less you know took on the role because someone needed to do it right. I don't really think it was ever like a Uh, position that he was given saying, Hey Joe, you know, you've been elected for this, or we're assigning this to you. And he definitely did all that just out of the fact that he was going and he was going to shoot. I know he wasn't paid anything or given anything for it. So I traveled overseas a bunch, you know, guys like Greg Wolf and Corey Cruz. Um, you know, we were juniors 14, 15, 16 years old, 17, all the way probably. Through our twenties, um, and Joe was kind of the guy that helped us figure out. He would send out an email and basically say, "Hey, book this hotel." Um, you know, it was most of the stuff you did yourself back then. Compared to now, you have a little bit more help. But uh, he was kind of the guy that enabled a lot of people to get to the, the the international matches, and he would find a hotel and he would say, "I've been stayed there," and then many times Corey and I would drive with Joe because we've flew over without our parents, just, you know, out of logistics with our parents and work, et cetera. So that's my, my memories of Joe really, you know, were from being a kid as a junior shooter and him helped facilitating basically all of the U S team to, to be able to travel. And, uh, he did a good job at it and he did it basically as a necessity because someone had to do it and he cared about the sport. You know, he, he loves when he would go over there. I can remember, I would call him up on the phone and you know we used email then but you you know it wasn't as you know the technology was not as prevalent as as now and uh I can remember calling and talking to him and he would be like well I'm going to go over a week before and I'm going to shoot in this shoot and shoot in that shoot and then I'll be there when you guys get to the hotel get a cab and then you guys can ride with me and you know because then the shoots over I'm going to stay a week or two and go shoot a couple other international matches and uh, so that, that's my that's my memories of Joe more than anything. He was he was on the advisory council with me for a number of years and um, gave back to the sport then. But, you know, I would say his biggest contribution uh, for me anyway. And I know a lot of folks was, you know, what he did to help international competition, both to to verse us here in the U.S. more on what was happening in the rest of the world, you know, with Fetas and then to help facilitate people to. Go overseas and shoot those uh, international competitions when we really didn't know what we were doing.
2: Yeah,
0: gotcha, Anthony. You know, for those uh, like myself who never had the pleasure of meeting Joe, I mean, what would you say is like the the key thing that you would point out to people, or you want people to know about him? I mean, what what do you, in your heart, what do you think is the most important thing about Joe?
1: I mean, I feel like the guy loved the sport. You know, that's the I know all the help that you know he did for me and friends of mine, et cetera, was. Because he he loved the sport, you know, and he was uh, he loved the United States of America. And he loved representing his country and he loved going over there and competing. And then he was super proud, you know, when when we would do well and, you know, win a win an international competition, et cetera. I remember when, you know, he was kind of not traveling as much or not traveling hardly at all in the later years. He, w- he would still go to the World cast. He used to go to everything. But uh, when I won the world sporting, I I remember he called me and left me a message, you know, congratulating on me being the first American. And he uh, he you know, he remembers us being there when we were 14 years old, you know, and helping us, you know, so he he cared about the sport. You know, that's you know, he cared about international competition. He cared about our country becoming more recognized. I would guarantee you, um, you know, without asking, he was not a type of guy that talked a lot. Right. You know, he was he was a friendly guy, but he's not the type of guy that's going to sit there and run his mouth, you know? And, um, you know, I would bet my last dollar that, you know, he was extremely proud of our country to see what we used to do in international competition 20 years ago and see what we do in international competition now, even longer than 20 years ago. Um, that was what I would say about it. You know, the guy, guy loved the sport. He, you know, he loved the, uh, help people, you know, allow the U S to become more versed in, and better competitors in international competition.
0: That's fantastic. Yeah. That's near and dear to Jason and I's heart. Believe me. <laughs> for
2: Sure. So is there one memory that sticks out the most about Joe, maybe a funny story or, or, or whatever, is there one memory in particular that sticks out the most for you?
1: There's a bunch. I mean, some of them are probably uh, shouldn't even be talking about uh, publicly. <laughs> but uh, most of those reasons would be to incriminating, uh, you know, myself and some of my uh <laughs> when, we were, when we were younger. But uh, I mean, I can I can remember. Um, here's one. It's you know, we were in uh, Germany. Corey Cruz and and uh, Greg Wolf were rooming with uh, each other, and I was rooming with Will Fennel. And a long story short, they started, we were in the room below them. They started throwing stuff out the window into mine and Will's room. Wadded wadded up paper towels and toilet (laughs) paper. And, you know, I stuck my head out there to see what's going on. They dumped the trash can of water on my head. (laughs) Then it turned into, you know, taking the gun oil that they gave us in the, in the, uh, shitter pack and shooting it up at each other. This is just a, you know, open window, you know, in Germany in a, in a small city. And, um, <laughs> I remember that, uh, Joe was there and he was the manager and, uh, he went down to, he was down the front, uh, front desk the next day. And he had no idea any of this is going on. And, uh, you know, then they're, uh, <clears throat> requesting that the, we have to hire a high reach cherry picker to come in and clean the side of the <laughs> building and the
0: oh no and the
1: overhang and Joe's going do what? <laughs> few stories like that we didn't we didn't uh we were a little bit rowdy but it was all in, all in good fun so a few times like that joe uh covered up for us and you know said well i'm not sure what happened we'll you know we'll take care of it don't 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 take this any further than that <laughs> you know. So, uh, but uh few stories like that you know a lot of good memories that's for sure
0: anything in particular that you really want to point out, like any of his accomplishments, uh, you know, or anything particular as as far as that goes.
1: I mean, he won a lot of stuff in this, in the concurrent categories over the years in the super vets, both with the world cup, because he would go to all of those matches. And I know he won the world championship, I think a couple of times in the different concurrents. I mean, he started all the way in the veterans and finished up in the, whatever the oldest category they have is, you know, and, uh, won a lot of stuff along the way. I couldn't quote exactly what he had won, but he had won a, he had done, definitely had done well, you know, in the, uh, international competition and in his, and his concurrent for sure.
2: Well, it sounds like he would want to be remembered as a good ambassador to the sport. And it sounds to me like that's exactly what he was,
1: you know? Yeah. I mean, he definitely, uh, put it this way, you know, I wouldn't have been able to, at least not nearly as easily and successfully, Go to international competition when i was a kid without him you know no question and i know some i can speak for some other people especially at the time you know if my parents are home working you know it was a lot easier for them to stay home and work and for me to go there he would literally you know grab us at the airport or drive us back and forth to the range or you know keep an eye on us you know he would keep an eye on us and keep us enough out of trouble for being 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, you know, in, yeah. a, in, a, in a far country, you know, and we, we uh, were pretty successful competing, you know, so that's, you know, that's uh, an undertaking for someone to say, yeah, you, uh, you guys can come over and I'll take care of you. You know, I'll keep an eye out for you guys. You yeah. know, that's, that's fairly a big responsibility. You know, he, you know, he knew we were good kids, you know, but he also knew we were you know 16 17 18 19 years old so you know he obviously had an obligation to keep an eye on
0: (laughs) right (laughs) boy boys will be boys right
1: yeah
2: well and moving on from that um and and i appreciate you you know remembering joe like that and uh I, i hope everybody hope everybody gets some small taste uh those that didn't get a chance to meet joe of the man that he was um Moving on from that, though, uh, the World Sporting uh, that's coming to m M&M. Before we dig into this, there's one thing I want to say. You know, I was there in December of 22 for your target setting class, and then I came back um, late spring for the Northeast Regional. And I could not believe the transformation that you guys had done to that place. What sort of things have you guys had to do to prepare for this World Championship that's coming? I mean, you know, there's... I would say there's, what, two, almost three times as many people coming for the World Championship as what was at the Northeast Regional.
1: Yeah, so uh, we got about 1,700 people signed up. So we've built another course that we will not shoot on until the main event of the World Championship. So that's kind of neat and interesting for us and then for all the competitors that have been there before. So that's a new course that we built. Um, Since you've been there, we've done a lot of – renovations on the front of the clubhouse and spice things up there to make spruce things up to make it look pretty sharp. Um fixed up a lot of our trails. We have a lot of trails and really good trails throughout the property. We've added a little bit more hard surface parking. Um reconfigure we're going to reconfigure something a little bit out back with our make a break area give a little bit more room out there. So I mean we have a lot of infrastructure in, in place and uh we've added some stuff and Made some stuff look sharper and, you know, working on our landscaping and stuff a little bit coming into coming into the spring. But uh, just kind of a a work in a work in that direction to add some new things that we uh, that we can use and show off a little bit for the world championship to do something uh, to make a special event. Cool. Uh,
0: Anthony, so for those of us who've never attended a world event, how do you rate or compare this like to our own U.S. Open and national championship?
1: and uh i guess my question would be in what regard
0: well i mean so for most most of us here in the usa very few of us actually get to travel abroad now i i looked and it looks like there's quite a few people coming from numerous different countries most specifically uh, england and europe um but you know do you guys kind of i guess is there a different
1: feel to it you know so when we when we've we've done the u.s open in the past and uh You know, we kind of go all out for that and have a a lot of bells and whistles and, you know, big dinner parties and cocktail parties and, you know, everything to make the event special in terms of uh, while you're there, you know, having everything and anything you could possibly want and enjoy yourself. So we'll be doing the same thing, you know, um, for for this, the be an opening ceremony on Friday. Which is essentially introduces the different countries and the teams that are that they put forth to uh, compete. So that's obviously much different because you don't do that in a mm-hmm. U.S. Open or a national championship. Right. Um, you know the the U.S. with hosting like say a U.S. Open at a range that is kind of going all out and and putting on a really good show. I mean, what we do here is kind of the best in the world, in my opinion. You know, there's great. There's great shooting, just like we had over at the World Championship uh, just this past summer at EJ Churchills. They do a great job. Um, it's different than that here, just because we've got uh, different wants from Americans versus, uh, versus what uh, their shooters kind of want. So we have to kind of appeal to both sides. Definitely more shooting going on in the U.S. than there is when you go to a World Championship in, in Europe, whether it's sporting or test for that matter. You know, they are run a a simpler schedule and, you know, often on the weekend by the weekend on say Friday, Saturday, Sunday, there's nothing going on except the main event. Um, you know, that's there's no there's no other events going on at the same time, you know, versus here on Friday or Saturday at a US Open or a Nationals or at our World Championship, you're you could shoot in ten different events, right? You know, so there's there's advantages and disadvantages to that, but most of the people that are attending, if they're there, they want to shoot. You know they don't want to shoot one hundred birds. most Americans, if they're there, they don't want to shoot one hundred birds in one day and then uh, be done for the day. So there'll be some things that are a little different, some things that I'm you know kind of uh, saving to you know to make it interesting that people get there and kind of see some things that you never saw before, maybe. But um, you know the the big competitions that are hosted in the in the u s when when the clubs step up and you know raise you know raise the bar all the continually in the u.s are as really good as anything right so you're basically trying to do that and add something else that's interesting you know
0: yeah gotcha
1: gotcha you'll have the super final there'll be a super final on sunday night you know that's obviously doesn't happen in the u.s at any of our competitions so you know to your question of is anything different that's you know everybody's done shooting the 200 and you know there's not a champion yet so it comes down to the top six shooters shooting an additional 25 targets that adds to their score
2: wow okay yeah, which i think That's is cool. really cool
1: yep definitely good for the crowd and good for entertainment and it's good for competition too you know just yeah. really competitiveness
2: well and i i know that you and joe are setting joe skull are setting targets at this event um I I don't want to just come right out and blatantly ask if the target's gonna be harder or easier or different or whatever. But I mean, are you gonna try and incorporate like maybe some more international targets? Do you try and put a little bit more flair to it than just being a strictly US competition?
1: Um, you know, the the you know, I like to I like to feel like I generally set a course to test people. Um, so we're gonna have a cover of a variety of things um you know you have a lot of events so that allows for us to you know make some event a little bit easier and some event a little bit harder or make one of the courses in the main a little bit easier and one a little bit harder we'll have a few international targets out there uh just it allows you to maybe throw something a little bit faster um but you can throw a plenty of good fast target with our regular pheasant target as well. Uh, in my opinion, there's less difference in an international target than there is in a uh, pheasant target. You know, most of it is, uh, if you talk to some people that are experienced enough to know, uh, there's a lot of hype there and there's not a, there's not that much truth. You know, I had a, I had a student send me a student from my target setting school, send me a video that he, Took the trap, he adjusted everything. It was a carousel to throw international. He put both in the trap. He cranked the spring all the way up and they landed basically, you know, within a eight, five yards of each other. Okay. You know, so the whole, you know, it was a flat target, the whole more aerodynamic, you know, travels further. Didn't didn't hold that much truth in terms of travel further with his test that he did (laughs) did, sent to me. You know, that was basically, you know, kind of cause a general talking point that I said, well, the bird, you can throw it a little bit faster, et cetera. You can throw it a little bit faster. There's no question about that. Um, I think it's speed is more constant. Um, I think, uh, a pheasant target starts off, can start off faster and then slow down quicker. But I think that at the end they get to about the same point, yeah. you know, you know, theoretically that would make an international target in my opinion, more would be easier. Um, because you have a more constant deceleration versus a, uh, a less linear deceleration on a pheasant target. If if what this, this guy held true is if this guy sent me the video and they land within five yards of each other and the ones more aerodynamic, then their speeds of deceleration are different, right? So,
2: Do you think some of that hype, Anthony, around that maybe comes from a comparison to a 110 versus like a 108 bio? and not necessarily a pheasant
1: could be, you know, I think a lot of it comes from, comes from shooters that are pretty experienced going overseas at times in the last 20 years, getting their ass kicked and coming home with a good excuse. That's where I think most of it comes from.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Nice. Hey, Anthony, I know you mentioned uh, that your numbers are already up to like 1700 plus, would you think that's a pretty typical turnout for this this type of event? And, and the reason I'm asking is, do you think the the recent stuff going on with the economy, the inflation, all that stuff, has affected uh, the number of shooters that were coming this year?
1: Um, well, it's interesting. It's by far going to be the largest one in the U.S. by almost 700 people. Oh, wow. Um, they hosted the World Championship. Historically, the the World Championship, when it was in the United States, would go to San Antonio every year just to the complex we go from england to to the national shooting complex 2015 i believe they changed the rule and every other time it comes to the us it travels throughout the country so 2015 it went to south florida shooting club uh near you know just uh north of palm beach and they only had 550 shooters at the world championship in florida at south florida shooting club um and then we went back to San Antonio in 17, and then in 19, it was at Northbrook, and they had just over a 1,000. So when I bid for the World Championship and received the World Championship, the first thing that I did, you know, with the NSCA's uh, grace, you know, I'm not sure if they knew how far I was going to take it, but um, regardless, they gave me permission. Uh, <laughs> The, they have a logo that they started using between the United States and England. And it says World English on it. Okay, and I removed the word English. Okay, um, it's a, not to of anything against Great Britain or the English, because in the United States we do not call sporting clays English sporting. No one does. There's not a single redneck in the United States that shoots sporting clays that knows what English sporting is. Right. But there's a million people that know what sporting clays is. So. In my opinion, the championship in the United States has been branded incorrectly for the last 20 years. Um, I'm huge on brand and huge on consistency uh, with my businesses, my shooting school, m M&M, and anything that I do. And I think the marketing has been poor and I think the branding has been poor. So I changed it to the World Sporting Clays Championship, which it is. And... Uh, when we opened registration, I sent out the emails was going to open up to the mass email list we have and the NSCA sent it out and they had no issue with what we were calling it. We just dropped the word instead of world English sporting place championship it's world sporting place championship, because that's what we call it here. And when we opened registration, we had 1300 people in less than 24 hours signed up. Yeah. Wow. I have a hard time believing that, you know, I know people want to come to my venue. I know people maybe want to come to to the world championship because I'm setting the targets, et cetera. I have a hard time believing that it's just because of my venue, just because I'm setting the targets and just because of the place we are in the you know, economy, whether we think it's good or bad or indifferent. Um, I think it just makes sense that some guy in – virginia north carolina somebody that's in driving distance gets the email and he goes i'm gonna go to the world sporting place championship this year that's awesome okay yeah and when you send him an email that says would you like to attend the world english sporting championship he doesn't even know what it is okay so the chances that he instantly says he wants to go is less i don't know how many times in the last 10 years i was giving people lessons and um you know, the the guy might go, uh, what's your next tournament? I go, I'm going to uh San Antonio for the world championship. They go, Really? The world championships in San Antonio? I go, yes, you know, you would have seen it advertised as, you know, the world English sporting or and he goes, Well what is that? <laughs> okay. I go, It's the world sporting place championship. It's not test. it's the World Sporting Glace Championship. Oh, I saw that, but I thought English sporting, I don't know what that was you know, so I could have went to that or I had to qualify <laughs> question. I would get, no, okay. you could have went to it. Oh man. He goes, I would have, I would have loved to have done that. I'm going to the U S open, but I went to the U S open last year. I would have liked to have went to the world championship. You know, this is a guy that's a masterclass have been shooting in my local area for 10 years. Wow. He's confused as shit. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've had, I've had that conversation with 50 people in the last 20 years. So, When we change the terminology uh, or the branding of it, I think that matters. Okay. Absolutely. I think it matters. You know, the, the, the folks from the CPSA in England, they were a little bit concerned initially. They actually, you know, sent us an email, et cetera, saying, you know, why did you change the name of it? I said, because people don't understand what the hell you guys are calling it. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) You know, not them, but we did the same thing in the United States when it came here. So. You guys can call it whatever you want when it's over there. My opinion would be you should call it the World Sporting Clays Championship as well, but that's up to you. But I'm not going to bring it here and call it the thing that people don't know what it is.
2: Right. Wow, that's that's interesting dynamic. I mean, I I, I would have never dreamed that just dropping that is part of what... I
1: could be wrong, you know. But, maybe, well, no, it makes sense, though. It that, maybe I would have called it that. I would have had the same number of people, but I don't think so.
0: Yeah. Well, Anthony, in the same, in the same token, I mean, as, as many people that have signed up, is there room left if anybody still wants to sign There's up? There's
1: a few point? slots, right? So what's happened, um, if you would have looked about, uh, you know, three months ago, you would have went, holy macro! I can't even get in the main event, I can't get in this, I can't get in that. We had about, we had a squad that some different teams. We had to squad the English team, we had a squad the US team. Um, that alone is like 60 or 70 people we had saved like a hundred spots to be able to squad those people. And a lot of those people had already signed up as individuals because they did not realize if they're going to be on the team or not. Okay. So for example, let's say Zach Keenbaum signs up because he wants to make sure he's in, then he makes the team. Okay. So I had already saved him a spot in all the events and all the other, his fellow team members as well. And then he was already signed up. So, in the last couple of months, as we've assigned the teams and squatted the teams, we've opened up about 100 spots across some different events. You can still shoot feet tests pretty much anytime from Tuesday to Sunday. You know, you don't have to do it early in the week. You could, There's spots all the way through the week. Um, there's some prelim spots earlier in the week. There's some five stand spots earlier in the week. Uh, main event, you can shoot any rotation, anytime we got spots for that. So there's plenty of stuff to shoot. You know, if someone wants to attend the world championship, you know, go on score chaser and get signed up. Cause there's plenty of stuff to get you slated in for. And then we'll have some openings, you know, when you have like a big rush of registration like that, people sign up, um, to make sure they get in. And then, you know, it's possible we could have a, a uh, you know, another 50 cancellations or more. We've already gotten a bunch because we've reached out to folks and, and, uh, you know, ask them to cancel if they weren't going to attend. And anybody's listened to this and you've signed up, go ahead and uh, get canceled out for you. We'll still give you a full refund so we can get some other people in there.
2: Well, and I know we've discussed this before with other shoots you've had, but do you want to just go ahead and run down through the gauntlet real quick as far as like uh, closest airport, hotels, restaurant, camping, all that kind of stuff, just so that way sure. people know the amenities close by?
1: Yep. So we are 22 miles from the Philadelphia airport um which is super easy uh we're about 70 miles from the baltimore washington international airport it's about an hour and 15 20 minutes to get there but philadelphia airport is literally you can be at the range in less than a half hour that's the place to go um there's hotels we still have hotels that are 11 miles away that are available holiday inn uh, is available 11 miles away we've got stuff in delaware within 10 miles Um, you just have to go over the bridge, but that's not a big deal because there are a lot of good restaurants over there as well. From a standpoint of landing at the airport, traveling to the range, going to your hotel, you're not going to go anywhere easier or closer than, than coming here. Um, you know, you can literally, most of the hotels, if you leave the airport, you're at your hotel within 15 minutes and then you're halfway to the range and you go another 10 to 15 minutes and you're at the range. So plenty of hotels we still have stuff there we have great food in our area i'm kind of a food kind of sore and go out to dinner every week with my wife somewhere and we're going to have a whole list of excellent restaurants where within 30 minutes you've got some of the best dining you could go to anywhere in the world really
2: no doubt about that i can i can vouch for that one
1: <laughs> yeah there's really got some really good food in our area Um uh, And then if someone wants to make a trip out of it, you're two hours, you know, to do some other things and do some sightseeing or while you're here, you know, bring your wife or stay an extra day or by yourself or whatever. You're uh, about 45 minutes to an hour from the ocean. Uh, It's a little cold that time of year to be swimming, but you can go to the beach. Uh, We have casinos nearby. We're two hours from New York city. We're 35 minutes from center city, Philadelphia, which you have anything in the world you'd want to do there. If you're, if you're like the city um lots of uh stuff things to see from you know um big gardens and stuff like that people like to see outdoor stuff big estates and that are open to the public to come in and view their their gardens and their estates. we're two hours from washington dc so we really have a lot of things close by if you wanted to make a bucket list trip out of it and you know be in new york city or be in washington dc or go to the ocean or go to the beach uh go to restaurants there's there's uh there's a lot to do and we're pretty pretty easy to get to uh when it comes to flying in here and getting to the range and getting to your hotel
2: right um and one last question about the shoot vendors i'm sure you're probably going to have a big vendors row right
1: yeah pretty much all the uh all the major gun companies will be here, um, so they're kind of all planning on already being here, and then pretty much a lot of the typical typical people that you would see, you know, so there's a bunch of them, yes. Dunn-Smiths and Sell-Invest and, you know, all the choke tube companies and everything.
0: Gotcha. Well, Anthony, switching gears here, and again, you don't have to answer this if it's not valid, uh, but off-topic. Uh, we got a little rumor going around the Nationals that you were going to be switching from the DT-11 to the new SL2. Is that so? And if so, how's that transition been going?
1: Uh, I'm going to, I'm going, I leave tomorrow to go to the advisory council meeting in uh, San Antonio. I'm on the on the advisory council. And then on uh, Saturday, I'm going to fly to Kansas and get a meet with Jim Greenwood and build the stock, stay there for two days and build the stock for it. And uh, I haven't actually picked up the gun yet besides the one they had in. Um, San Antonio so my current gun uh, my DT11 is still locked up in the case from the Nationals I haven't even took the locks off the case and uh, I haven't uh, haven't actually had this gun it came into the US right after Christmas I shipped it to Jim it came with a headed stock so he's been working to get the stock close off of my dimensions building me a forearm similar to like I like uh, which is a little bit longer and a slightly different design kind of mirrors what i used to use on the semi-auto um on the forearm and uh on sunday jim and i this sunday jim and i'll be working on it and uh get it wrapped up pretty much in one full day and then um he's gonna finish it out for me and hopefully i'll have it back uh in early uh february very cool
2: so let me- let me ask you, if you don't mind, Ant, what was the reason for the change? Is it maybe just a new challenge for you? Is there something that Breda wanted you to try?
1: Or? Well, they're um, they they they're coming out with a new gun, and uh, there's some interesting things about it that I'm curious about. You know, the choke tubes are longer. It's got the same t- tapered bore barrel as the DT-11, which I'm a huge fan of. As I truly believe that gun kicks less than any other over and under out there. Um, so the barrel is similar. And actually on this one though, it starts off and tapers all the way down to a 723-bore barrel. So it's uh it'll be interesting to see how it patterns. I think though I think it'll pattern even even better uh, than the DT eleven barrel, which I which I really like the the barrel and the DT eleven. I think it's one of the biggest attributes of the gun um is that the the recoil with the barrel and the patterns with the barrel are really good. The the product manager at Beretta, you know, when they talked about the DT11 barrel, I was like, you know, I, I'm kind of not a really a uh, much on marketing hype related to uh, what a lot of people put out, right? And I was like, I, they, when they said the, batters, the barrels are going to pattern better and kick less, and you know, I'm like, yeah, sure, you know, <laughs> how's a barrel going to kick kick less, right? But uh, definitely that barrel has reduced recoil, and um, the product manager in the in the uh u.s who deals with red italy with this gun and uh he says they tell me that this barrel is better than the other barrel you know and uh he goes i don't know but it's the same technology and they've they feel like it's going to be even better so i was curious about that they're gonna have one shooter shoot it in the u.s and they gave me the first option you know i was a on the Brita team, I was the one of the first option to, to shoot it. You know, if I didn't shoot it, they would have went down the list. And, um, it's also a good challenge for me. You know, it gives me it gives me some motivation to get out there and practice a little bit more and force me to get out there and kind of, uh, maybe give me a little bit of renewed excitement. Um, you know, because sometimes it is, it is a challenge to, it is a challenge to stay, you know, sharp and, teaching lessons every single day and then going out there and practicing and dealing with the range and four kids and everything else to do that, uh, I, I feel like the challenge would be good for me, you know, so kind of have to have to go shoot and have to go learn it. So but that, uh, that added to it as well.
2: That's awesome. Well, and thanks for spending some time with us tonight, man. Uh really sincerely appreciate it. Um, best of luck to you and, and the family. I, I'm assuming you're going to be down for all the Florida swing or most
1: of it. Uh, i'm gonna shoot the jack links that's it jack links and then uh go to the western regional uh, a couple weeks later
2: oh wow okay cool well like i said we appreciate you spending some time with us tonight ant for sure
1: absolutely
0: yeah thank you anthony appreciate you well, Jason, it's always a treat to have Anthony come on the podcast because the the man has been referred to. Uh, well, you called him what the assassin from New Jersey, the New Jersey
2: assassin, the New Jersey, Jersey assassin. <laughs> assassin. Yeah. yeah,
0: we've heard him. Uh, we've heard him called Sporting Clay's Jesus. I mean, there's a million little <laughs> monikers for him. So he's a, he's always great to have on the show.
2: No, absolutely. Anthony is just a a vast wealth of knowledge. Um, you know, I mean, look at his book. You know, look at his videos. I mean, the the man. Look at his accomplishments. I mean, the man's been around the sport his whole life and he's accomplished a lot. And he's he, that man is a good ambassador of this sport, period. Yeah, he's very, one so. of the very
0: best. And I, I go through that book, uh, you know, I just pick it up every once in a while and I always find something new every time I pick it up.
2: Remember, Sean, do you remember when we were kids, the E.F. Hutton commercials? Yeah, you know when when E. F. Hutton talks, people listen. Well, that's right. the Anthony Matterys of Sporting Clays. When Anthony talks, people listen. Yes, they so, do, or, but, or, uh, or they very much should. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. That's for sure. Um, you know, Sean, we've got a lot of people we need to thank. Starting with our sponsors, for sure. Uh, you know, Elite Shotguns. Uh, thank you very much to everyone at Elite uh, Fioki USA. Sean, we love us some little rhinos and white rhinos here as of late. We've been experimenting with that. That's been working out pretty good. That's right. And speaking of rhino, we love, we can't forget
0: the guys at Rhino Chokes. Uh, if you need barrel porting, choke tubes, forcing cones, and gun fit, those are the guys to call. Uh, and if you need to protect your eyeballs, RE Ranger. Nothing better than those React lenses, Jason, right?
2: Yep, absolutely. And it's funny, I was just having a conversation with Tom Morgan the other day, and you know, the man sells all brands of glasses, okay, not just Ranger, and he's, you know, him and I said he's like, that, there's nothing like the React on the market, period, hands down, I mean, this is a, is an optometrist, and, you know, he flat out said, there's nothing that compares to it, speaking that nothing, speaking of something that nothing compares to, Sean Alley, is the service you're going to get from the gals at Odo Pro Technologies, Uh, you need help, you need hearing protection, we do not recommend anyone but the gals at Odapro they so are the best the, yes thanks to the girls over there very much we appreciate you all very much as well as atlas trap sean alley an american-made atlas sean do you know somebody that you could call if you wanted to get you an atlas trap
0: i'm pretty sure i could find a number and names for somebody out there maybe the guy on the other end of the microphone might be a good one to reach out to
2: yeah so. you know give me a call i'll help y'all out um yep atlas traps Best in the business, six-year warranty, unmaxed by anybody in the business, more than double that of anybody in the business. So uh, give me a call. Uh, If you don't want to talk to my ugly mug, give Alice Traps a call. They'll help you out. Yep, and a big
0: thank you to Vero Beach Clay Shooting Sports, all the guys down there, Brian Palmer and his crew. Um, you know, we had a great time at the de- at the first inaugural Dead Pair Blast. Looking forward to doing that again this December. Uh, and of course, we can't forget the lovely Don Grant to get your head straight and your mind straight for the new year here in 2024. If you're having any kind of troubles with your mind and your mental game, Don is the one to call.
2: Absolutely, and last but definitely not least. Casey Chase, all the staff at Score Chaser, uh, thank you so much for everything you've done, not only for us, but for this sport. You've made it so easy to sign up for tournaments, uh, find tournaments. And speaking of finding things, Sean Alley, if you're traveling, if you're going to go on vacation with the wife and kids, and you know what? Hey, I'd like to do a little shooting over out. Well, mosey on over to thedeadpair.com, find you a club, find you a coach in the state you're going to. So, and if you are a club or a coach or a manager at a club, and you would like to be on the website, get a hold of us. We want to help you out. We want to get you up there.
0: Absolutely. And it's that time in the show where I could get up on my soapbox and tell everybody, hey, take somebody out, take them shooting, Uh, show them how much fun this sport is, get a gun in their hand, let them break some clays, watch those smiles happen. And I guarantee you're going to hook some new people that'll bring them into the fold.
2: And let's not forget about the dead pair challenge, Sean Alley. I challenged you. Take one new shooter a month for 2024. That's 12 people you're going to introduce to this game. Take them out and show them how much fun this is. And I challenged everyone. It's the dead pair challenge. Everybody take someone new shooting. This is, we're serious about this. We want to grow the sport that we love so much. Uh, You know, you heard Anthony earlier talking about Joe Caney and how much he loved the sport. You can do the same thing. You can get right out there, take people shooting. And get them introduced to this. You know, like you, Sean, you said all the time, get a gun in their hand, get them to try this. So yep, show them the safety and let them start busting some birds. It's, it's a lot of fun. It sells itself. It does. It does. <laughs> and one last thing, don't forget, if you haven't already got your golf cart tickets, even if you already have, you know what? They're not selling that many tickets. Increase your chances. Buy some more. It's for a good cause. Every single red cent goes to kids and clays which benefits ronald mcdonald house charities not sean not myself not kids and clays they don't hang on to the money every bit of it goes and ends up in ronald mcdonald's house charities so sean alley i have flapped my guns long enough i am tired of looking at your ugly mug so until next week my friend we can't wait to see you all back here on the dead
0: pair podcast we'll see you next time on the dead pair podcast the dead. The Dead Pair Podcast is brought to you by Elite Shotguns and Vero Beach Clay Shooting and is fueled by Fioki USA. The Dead Pair theme song was written, arranged, and produced by Toby Tompley. Special thanks to the following sponsors. Rhino, Odo Pro, Don Grant, Atlas Trap Company, and R.E. Ranger.